major Apollo tyres. Is it anything to do with Apollo out of the Rocky films? Uh, apparently not, although United's creed does seem to depend on them not spending any money on midfielders. I, although I cannot promise you that Apollo Tyres is not a, a left-back that we've signed, an unheard-of European left-back. Well, yeah. When the, when the bid went in, Ed Woodward bid 12 pence, they asked for 13, and, and he offered 10. That, that's the way things go, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Ed Woodward is doing an extremely efficient job at doing the job that he was previously doing. Uh, not, not so good at doing his new job, it would seem. Although my favourite Twitter question of the week comes from at Big Shimmery Wall who says did a typo mean that Edward would have spent the summer singing about new players instead of signing them I think that might explain a lot Edward Wood the musical yeah yeah he's just walking around singing Viva Ronaldo uh, but not doing anything about any of it well of course if, if uh, a typo is a problem he'd be singing Viva Orlando wouldn't he <laughs> yes all kinds of other problems there I, I'd accept Rolando to be honest at this point so yeah, it looks like United have put in a bid for Fellaini and Baines, £28 million double bid, uh, valuing Baines at £12 million, the exact same figure that was turned down last month, or June. Mind you, while the Baines bid is probably undervalued, you know, you can argue about that one, but probably, given he's um, at the top of his powers and England is national and just came off having a fine season, the Fellaini bid, probably about right. I can't say I'd value him more than 16 million myself. No, but we're not going to get him for that, are we? Uh, clearly. Uh, th- we, we've we now got beef with Everton. It's a, a East Coast, West Coast situation. They found our offer to be insulting and derisory. Uh, backing up the whole kind of motif of the summer, which is that nobody is able to have one emotion at once. It's always two things. Wayne Rooney was angry and confused. Gareth Bale was annoyed and disturbed. And Everton found the ins- offer both insulting and derisory. Is there a context other than football transfers uh, which uh, the word derisory can be used? Yeah, I'm sure it must be used in politics all the time. His efforts to be a better human being were considered by the opposition to be derisory. Mm. Something like that. Maybe. I put that question to Twitter. Yeah. Best answer, Ed. He's very smart, but the size of his penis is derisory. (laughs) Cruel. Cruel. Cruel and unusual. And not true, folks. No, no, no. Clearly not. Otherwise, you know. Never mind. It's all going in a terrible direction. Not your penis, the show. We played a football match, Edward. Manchester United played Swansea at football, and it turns out that Manchester United are better than Swansea at football by a tune of four goals to one. And what a series of goals they were. Season kicking off with a bang. Yeah, I mean, if you cut the five moments of goals out of the game, it it was a pretty even game, wasn't it? It sounds ridiculous, but actually Swansea had large periods of possession of the ball and and looked at the very tidy, neat outfit that we know them to be. But uh, the quality of United's goals was absolutely stunning. I mean, three uh, worldies in there, weren't there? And, uh, And one from about half a yard out. Uh, yeah, but even the one from half a yard out featured a lovely cross from Evera, a really nice bit of movement from Van Persie and Welbeck to get themselves into the positions to do the damage, and a really kind of calm, threaded little ball from Valencia. So it was no, it was now sl- no slouch itself, but obviously it looked looked more of a slouch in in the face of the the goals. And and I think like before we get into the discussion of the 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 tactical flow of the match, just to spend a bit of time on those goals. The first one, I mean, it's some pretty woeful defending in that goal. To just leave Robin Van Persie on his own in the box seems negligent at best. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's no one better in that area right now, is there, in world football? 
terrible first touch by Van Persie there. He couldn't control it. That's why he set himself up for the volley. Maybe he did it on purpose. Uh, and then uh, swung his chocolate leg and, and in it went. A stunning goal in the end. But it could have gone all so wrong. Yeah, it certainly could. And he said afterwards in a, in a post-match interview, he said, mm, touch was a bit heavy, so then I had to do it. If Ashley Williams had been any closer... He's also become Norwegian. <laughs> yeah, clearly. If Ashley Williams had been any closer, Robin Van Persie could have killed him, ironically enough. Yeah, might have taken his head off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> and and talking of Robin Van Persie taking people's head off, he could have taken the goalkeeper's head off if that second one had caught the keeper wrong. Well, I mean, that was even better, uh, definitely. Uh, the movement from Van Persie, uh, fine ball to him as well. And then uh, just a turn from the right to the left, such a such a you know, neat turn, completely uh, unbalanced the defender and just absolutely rammed it into the top corner. Uh, just explosive, but the thing that Robin Van Persie is doing at the moment, he doesn't seem to be able to score just a normal goal. I burst out laughing when he scored that goal because it was just something so pure and joyful about it and absolutely topped off by the fact that he described he was asked about the goal afterwards and said well it was a little bit back to the streets yeah back to the streets that's exactly what it was like he just got the ball started running until he had a bit of space in front of him and blasted it as hard as he could when I first watched that goal I did think that Rooney's run had been fairly instrumental in taking Ashley Williams away from Van Persie and allowing himself allowing him that extra bit of space but but what really happened was that Chico Flores kind of just was caught in the kind of I don't know the wake of Rooney's run almost and and got himself in between Williams and Van Persie for a second and that was when Van Persie was able to just uh, shirk off the defender and and blast it with all that kind of majesty well he only needs half a yard and and all of that yeah doesn't he i mean he's uh, in such top form that it's hard to stop him without making any defensive mistakes Uh, rooney who at one stage was out sprinted by chico flores chico flores being the slowest defender in the history of man maybe not but not far off it it's all very well talking about robin van persie's goals and we all love robin of course we do but there is no joy like a Danny Welbeck goal. Two two in one fantastic start. I, I've I've felt all season, all all through preseason, I've thought that that Welbeck would be scoring a hatful this season, and it turns out that he's he's started on on that road and that fourth goal, the pick of the bunch. Oh yeah, absolutely fine. I mean, obviously you tap in for his first and then the fourth, um, the the ball to him, absolutely perfectly weighted. Uh, and the finish was not what you expect of Danny Welbeck at all, was it? Because we, we've uh, seen him weakly finish so often, but uh, it was instinctive, lifted right over the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper's head dropped before the ball hit the back of the net and uh, it was absolutely spectacular. Interesting though, isn't it, that Welbeck's been used sort of in the hole, both in the Community Shield and against Swansea. That's the position that we, we uh, both spoke about Kigawa potentially taking this season because of Rooney's troubles and, and of course Rooney had for most of last season. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the disgruntled Scouser, shall we, for a bit. No, I don't think you can describe Jeremy Carragher as disgruntled, although Gary Neville did describe him as a burglar on Monday Night Football. Hmm, interesting, that one. No <laughs> stereotyping there, Gary. None whatsoever, although uh, Jamie Carragher, I'm not, you know, I as as long-time listeners to this show know, I, I do not carry in my heart an anti-Scouse agenda, but the Jamie Carragher hit some pretty serious high notes during during that Monday Night Football, and, and I, I think on balance I prefer just having Gary on his own in that studio, really. There were cats in South America who threw themselves in front of buses. Uh, that, that's how high-pitched he is. Somebody, I, I can't give this credit, it's not my joke, I sort of somewhere. Jamie Carragher catering for the niche market of dolphins on Monday Night Football. 
to go back to United Scouser, Scott Wooden's left and gone to Leeds, but the, the other Scouser's still here, and he's he's not happy, but he put a shift in, he definitely came on and ran around and looked committed. Uh, yes, I mean, he looked committed, he ran around, he didn't run very fast, but uh, he's clearly, clearly unfit. Uh, just digressing for one second, back to Scott Wooden. Uh, interesting from a Leeds fan site this week, said, uh, the headline ran, Scum Defender Joins Leeds. <laughs> Nice, nice. <laughs> Classy lads. Anyway, back to Rooney. Yeah, look, he's got the talent still, hasn't it? No one's ever questioning whether uh, the raw talent has gone. What, what we're questioning, I think, is whether uh, his physical prowess is declining so fast that it will never come back. Uh, whether he really wants to be at the club, we know the answer to that one. He certainly doesn't. Whether he is able to be professional enough to put in good performances, even though he doesn't want to be at the club, and it seems the club are going to force him to stay. So um, there are some unresolved questions in there, I think. Uh, so he did run around. He, he played a couple of very nice passes. Uh, he was involved in goals, and he got some time on the pitch, and that's important because we're going to try and get him fit, right? I presume because David Moyes and the club seem to be insisting that he's going to stay. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the the one thing that is hardest to take about all this is we looked more dangerous when he was on the pitch than we'd looked before. You know, it, it, it was a comfortable victory in the end. And in terms of the display of attacking talent that United put on, you wouldn't say that the scoreline flattered United at all. But in terms of the overall balance of the game, as you were sort of intimating earlier, you could argue that the scoreline flattered United in that sense. And actually, one of the reasons that it became a blowout was what Rooney brought to the party when he came on as a substitute. Wouldn't have been a blowout of it. We'd been using Apollo tyres then, would it? No, no, it would not. Annual annual sales of six billion dollars, and uh, we could do with a little bit of that in the transfer market, Ed. You know, just just saying there, Mister Woody. Anyway, yeah, um, to the point about Rooney. Yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned last week. I find it slightly sickening that he's in the team or the squad or on the pitch. This is a guy who's asked for the transfer twice. Uh, forget all the debate about whether he did or did not ask Alex Ferguson. He's had his people all summer trying to get him a transfer. If that's not enough for some people, I don't know what is. You know, he does not want to be at United. He's desperate to leave. He's desperate to leave for what you expect. He's one of two major rivals for the Premier League this season. Uh, he could not have shown less loyalty to the club in any act basically now of course he's a footballer he'd move for you know money and he's he's doing it as a job but you you get the impression that is all it is to Rooney you know after eight years at the club the club really doesn't mean anything more to him than employment and uh, a better offer for whatever reason has come along and, uh, and he's keen to do it I find it kind of bizarre after spending months trying to get him out, which is what United have done, that they're now holding on to him very tightly. And I suspect it's only because it's Chelsea. It seems, unless, you know, they're being very, very smart about this, that they are going to hold him. And it's not just a bargaining chip to squeeze as much money out of Chelsea as possible. And another assumption here, they just didn't find an overseas buyer for him. No one wants him. And, you know, that's the really interesting situation. And I think if it is true that Chelsea are the only game in town, which is what it definitely looks like, it's extremely smart moved strategically from United to keep him for this season because the money from his transfer is irrelevant, especially as we don't appear to be interested in purchasing any players of our own. But, you know, United's 
United just don't need the money from to, don't need to maximise the capital gain from Wayne Rooney uh, whereas you distinctly it is a distinct possibility that selling him to Chelsea causes an actual balance of power shift you know not a kind of artificial one but genuinely you're strengthening what's potentially your closest or second closest rivals for the title whilst simultaneously causing a massive drop off in talent of your own squad absolutely i mean it's it, this is the lesser of two evils i suppose so if the scenario is chelsea is the only bidder and then there are two options keep him or sell him and and selling him uh, it does exactly what you say keeping him has risks right I, unfortunately i don't think rooney is the kind of player to really knuckle down now he might be really effective still but i suspect we're going to get somewhere between sort of 75 and 85 percent of the peak rooney this season it makes a difference when he's not happy, right? We saw that last season. He, he was sulking. He's not as effective. Uh, he's frustrated on the pitch. And, and it just doesn't work as well. His performances aren't, aren't as good. But there you go. It seems to be what is happening. Interesting, isn't it? There, there's been a change in, in stance from a number of clubs this season. So United standing strong on Rooney. Liverpool did the same with Suarez. Dortmund did exactly the same with Robert Lewandowski. Not only are they going to lose out on what could have been a £30 million plus transfer fee this summer, but they've given him a £3 million bonus just to stay for another year. And then he'll be off to their major rivals next summer for free. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to come back to United's specific situation, I think the the key to this whole dynamic is the fact that it's a World Cup season. And if it wasn't, then you wouldn't, then it would really limit your bargaining power. But the fact is, Rooney can't just mess about all season. Specifically, he can't not look after himself physically. Because I think, you know, he can, like, his performance can slightly drop and he'd still be England's best player by a mile. But if he doesn't look after himself physically, then he's going to risk going to the World Cup, which obviously is incredibly important to him given his history with major international tournaments or lack of since he exploded onto the international scene as they say well uh, given given the nature of his decline and i think we can say it's that this could be his last tournament or last big one or last opportunity to really star at a tournament you are right that he's going to be England's best player there, whatever. And so he doesn't need to have a stellar season to go to the World Cup or be in England's first 11. He's going to be in the first 11, right, as long as he's fit. Um, but you're also right that he does need to keep himself in shape. We'll, we'll see. He needed to keep himself in shape for, for England before and for United. And he, he didn't necessarily do that, did he? So I wonder whether he's just professionally enough and and whether he just wants it enough anymore. You know, does he? Talking of Robin Van Persie's streets is the... the the street player Rooney still got it is he still that same guy I had a debate with a few people on Twitter about um, whether Rooney was uh, better than he was at 18 and I've got this theory that he's probably not now of course he's more mature of course he knows how to impact on games in ways that he didn't when he was 18 but he was so explosive then the pace the ability to beat a man um, the fact that he, he wasn't scared about taking on players and when when's the last time you saw Rooney actually beat a man he doesn't do it anymore you know so there's so much about his game when he was 18 that he's lost over the years uh, including that kind of physical aspect which he just doesn't seem to have anymore I mean, you know, there there are many times when you would, in a theoretical universe, where you could bring 18-year-old Wayne Rooney on as a sub for himself now, you definitely would. You know, you definitely would. Because, as you say, he had a very different sort of impact on games. But, you know, I definitely think that selling him to Chelsea would be a mistake unless it is as part of this elaborate 
transfer window roundabout domino effect thing that could happen whereby all the different transfers all lead to each other and we end up with very major world stars coming to the club to replace him mm, which ones are those though that's that's the problem so Fabregas is not leaving this summer nope yeah uh, I don't think Lionel Messi is available <laughs> unfortunately well I'm surprised we haven't bid for him to be honest well yeah uh, Lionel Messi £12.75 and a bag of frogs Bargain. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the other player we're interested in, Lewandowski, I've just said, is, is not moving this summer and then he's off to Bayern next summer. So there is, of course, a dearth of real stars, but there is talent out there. And you've got to wonder what United are, are planning for that now. I mean, it looks like all old chips are being laid on Fellaini and Baines, which is, a, is an odd one for me, really odd. Anyway, we are digressing because we were talking about the Swansea game and aside from the brilliant goals and the interesting performance from Wayne Rooney, it, it, was, an, it was a good run out for United I don't think United were 4-1 winners in terms of the performance though they weren't but as I as I said except for in the very crucial field of genius attacking football which you know it does it's you know we could you could argue that Robin Van Persie last season papered over the cracks at United but if you're going to paper over the cracks you will do it so incredibly well that you end up winning the league and I, I you know obviously the narrative before that game is everyone basically who is who is paid to talk about football has suggested that Manchester United are likely most likely to finish third this season their third favourites for the league and Robin Van Persie took great umbrage at being at that being pointed out to him after the Community Shield, and and you know his presence does make that slightly ridiculous. But it's all built on very narrow margins at the moment. And if there is an injury of significance to Michael Carrick or Robin Van Persie or both, then we're completely and utterly up a creek without a paddle. You know, the extent to which we're reliant on those two players is it's just insane. The two key players for United, aren't they? Carrick and Van Persie. A one who might be a key player and certainly has been in the past and I wasn't quite sure whether he would uh, he would have a great season or not is Nemanja Vidic. And mm. doesn't he look fit and in, in great shape? And uh, that's absolutely fantastic to see. Yeah, and you said in our season preview that Vidic and Ferdinand are not going to be able to play together this season. Uh, it's very, very early days yet, but they were brilliant, the two of them together as a combination. Swansea's, uh, Swansea attacked a lot, but they didn't really threaten that often. The, the two times they did was the, the goal that was ruled out offside. Uh, Michu had a chance to, to score from, from a, a corner, which he, he didn't take very well. Uh, and then the, the goal... Uh, the goal. Danny had a wonderful game and probably would have won man of the match if it wasn't for what he did in the build-up to Swansea's goal. You don't dribble there, son. That's not where you dribble. Yeah, he couldn't decide whether he was dribbling or trying to backheel it or, or what. Yeah, it was a pretty awful defensive mistake. Uh, after he made one for England, of course. Yeah. In midweek, yeah, very weak head out. There. Maybe not his strong point there, defending, uh, I don't think. Rio and Vidic uh, definitely let him know how they felt about what he had just done. So he probably won't do that again in a hurry. No, he certainly won't. So Rio and Vidic, um, I don't think I ever said they would never play together, but uh, it's uh, it changes the nature of how United defend. They defend a little bit deeper. They will have to, right? The, mm. the pace isn't quite there, but defending the box is what Vidic does. It's still outstanding. Beating a player for pace, probably not going to happen anymore. But um, it's good to see him so fit and, and looking in great shape and hungry and he wants to play. Another slight digression, interesting quotes from Vidic recently in which he said there was a time in which he had the opportunity to move and he thought about it too. And so therefore he kind of understands where Wayne Rooney's head is. I'm paraphrasing there, but he said something along those lines. 
confirming what we knew all along that he he very much thought about going and when he was having those um, contract negotiations and had a very lengthy time out with a mystery thigh injury injury didn't he I guess it happens to the best of them but but very glad to see him back and and looking very near his best yeah, um, the, it's very interesting that you talk about the, how deep that makes United's back four. Well, not really back four because the fullbacks are never deep, are they? But uh, how tactically United definitely had a problem in that game by being sat too deep because Cleverly and Carrick both sat deep a lot, partly because of where Ferdinand and Vidic were. So you have this knock-on effect that goes throughout the whole team. And to go back to this papering over the cracks metaphor, it, it can only work because we've got such as effective attacking players, so they can do all this damage in the the short space. Hmm. Well, it had a couple of knock-on effects, right? One was that you're right, Carrick. Carrick, in particular, sat very, very deep. And um, interesting to note, he only made about 60 passes, which is well down on, on over 100, which he quite often hits. And so part of that was because Swansea had more of the ball, but also part because uh, Carrick just wasn't the pivot around which the United team played in the same way. Cleverly had a quiet game uh, as well because he, he spent most of the time screening. And as a result, United weren't quite direct sometimes. I got an awful amount of abuse on Twitter for tweeting uh, about this, but basically I just said of City, Arsenal and Tottenham, United's average pass length was the longest and they kept the ball the least, you know, least successful passes. And sorry, two facts. I know you don't like it, folks, but I wonder whether that points to something uh, about United this season. Of course, Swansea get the ball very well, but we are talking about mid-table side there, you know, and we're not talking about Barcelona. And we are talking about United, instead of playing their way out of defence, sometimes going a bit more direct than might have happened in the past uh, interesting to see goals coming from the crosses from the left back it's like I didn't think Moyes would make too many tactical changes but that's is obviously clearly very important to Moyes which brings us back to the subject of transfers we've had a m- numerous questions so I apologise not to name anyone individually but numerous questions about Leighton Baines and whether he should be coming uh, and specifically uh, a lot of people talking about Luke Shaw been rumoured link- linked uh, with the club and the- I don't understand the logic of spending a lot of money on Leighton Baines I really I really just don't understand that not that he's not a good player but then you would have two very good left backs arguably the first and second best left backs in the league competing for the position um, which neither of them are going be particularly happy with you wouldn't think I mean obviously Everest had this enormous burden of the amount of football that he's played but he's got through it all right for the most part with some dips in form but last season back to his best phenomenal against Swansea mm. Patrice ever was and, and and so to me the argument of buying a kind of promising young left back to act as understudy is has a lot more logic to it Right, Alex Bootner, not a promising young left back for you. No, I'm I'm kidding. Oh, clearly not good enough for United. Fabio is there, of course, but he is right-footed and and uh, only ever played on the left, as Ferguson put it, because his brother's on the right. So Everett has played 140 something games in the last three seasons, not including this one. The next nearest player for United is Wayne Rooney, in 120 something, and and then Michael Carrick in the low hundreds. You know, he's played a phenomenal amount of games for United and has done ever since he joined the club. Is because he's very rarely injured he's very very consistent and he's not had a lot of competition of course for those two reasons so do I agree with you absolutely yeah I think buying a very talented young left back is a more sensible option than buying Baines Baines you'll get another four years out of I suppose 
every you might get another two out of so i i guess that's um the thinking there and baines does add an awful lot in an attacking sense i don't think he'd add anything in a defensive sense he's an attacking fullback and luke shaw i, I like him a lot he's very very talented i mean of course not that much experience he had a, a season with southampton in which he lost his place in the second half of the season uh, although he started the current season in very fine form he's clearly a talented player but do united really want to spend sort of 10 million pounds on an 18 year old who's just signed a new contract but i would kind of rather they spent 10 million pounds on that than 20 million pounds on leighton baines you know or whatever it's going to take to shift him well yeah united are not, not going to spend 20 million pounds on leighton baines they had uh, set a price for leighton baines which is 12 million right mm. and uh, i think it will not happen now i think uh, Fellaini. if i'm guessing from this point i think Fellaini probably will happen they'll overpay for him and uh, partly because everson don't need to sell although they're more prepared to sell him than baines that tells its own story and all, doesn't it? You know about the relative merits of Fellaini um, as a as a player that they're more prepared to sell him than their, than than Baines. But anyway, I mean, I I also this is like kind of slightly pedantic. But I also don't think he adds a lot in an attacking sense over Evra. So I think Patrice Evra has an awful lot in his locker in terms of his contribution to United's attacking football. And Fellaini, and, and many reasons, I don't think he's quite good enough. One, one technically, I don't think he's good enough. The other one, which I think United fans will find very frustrating, gay, yeah, when he turns up, is that uh, he's pretty wasteful with the ball. You know, one in five he gives away. Again, I took some abuse on Twitter from uh, the unknowing public out there, probably unwashed as well, frankly, um, who, who said, oh, yes, but he played up front. Hmm. Yeah, he's had that stat for the last three seasons in a row. So, you know, he's, he's just wasteful with the ball. Maybe it's a reflection of how Moyes wants to play. Uh, maybe it's just a reflection of United are down to plan D or E for you know, for a midfielder and Fellaini's now it's because they know they can get him. I mean, the whole midfield question is fascinating. And again, uh, apologies for not singling anyone out. I will single out at centre midfield, appropriately enough, um, who asks a kind of very interesting question about the nature of the replacement that we, we need to get, the nature of the, the reinforcements we need in midfield. We talked a little bit about this last week. But the whole thing is, what sort of player are we buying? What kind of role do they want? What do we do we want him to play in the team? And that's just my, mind-blowing. You know, some United fans have been saying to Edward Wood all summer, listen, get a grip and what he's done is he's bought some tires in order to do that instead of getting a grip on what's needed in the mid- middle of the park and you know if you think Fellaini is the answer I, I would be very I'll be very happy when Fellaini signs for United that'd be that'd be fine it'll be really good to have him around useful addition to the squad for sure but definitely closer to Ashley Young than Robin Van Persie in terms of the signing hmm. well when the rubber hits the road what I think United really need <laughs> is a defensive midfielder who's a bit more physical and a goal-scoring attacking midfielder. I mean, we need to tread lightly in this area, but we definitely do need to make some improvements. You've got to wonder, has Edward Woodward got the wheels turning in the United's transfer strategy yet this season? It definitely doesn't seem to be a particularly slick operation. No, it feels like we're going around in circles with this conversation as well. It certainly does. This has been going on for a wheelie, wheelie long time. Oh dear. Anyway, so to answer centre midfield's question, yes, I, I think a, a physical type player and an attacking player, I think United are that short that we ought to just go and spend an awful... If we spent no more money this season, uh, it's probably worth going and spending, you know, 60, 70 or whatever million pounds on two very high quality central midfielders. Makes a big difference. Look at the difference Van Persie made, makes when you buy quality over squad filler. Makes a big difference. 
Um, a really interesting question from at Ehashug, who claims to be uh, Rankast's number one Ugandan fan. So big thanks for that. Um, saying, do you think that Real Madrid buying Bale opens the door for a deal on Modric? But actually, the Real Madrid have just there's all sorts of rumours that they're selling more members of their midfield, uh, making Modric deal seem remarkably unlikely. Yeah, well, they're pretty overstocked, Madrid, at the moment. But Modric started at the weekend. He, he was pretty good. I think they might let wide player go. So Di Maria seems the obvious target there. And uh, and Ozil, I think they'll keep. I know there's some there's been some speculation there, but I, I think he's the most natural uh, number 10 that they have in the squad. And, and uh, I'm sure they'd love to get rid of Kaká if they could, but no one really wants him for the kind of fee that it would take and, and his astronomical wages. At Charnio D says, are we better off to stop fussing over transfers for this window try not to unsettle the squad we have it's too late i'm afraid uh, it's been been an awful lot of fussing and i think the squad we do have are probably smart enough to know that none of them are really uh, we're not trying to replace any of them <laughs> you know we're trying to bring in some extra new mates for them all yeah so look footballers are insecure if you ever read the uh, secret footballer column in the guardian uh, he he brought that topic up several times um in, in throughout those columns when they were running So, yes, of course, they'll be nervous about being replaced, but they also want to win. And they know that winning uh, comes with having the best players. Yeah, absolutely. And, And, you know, everyone at United knows that United are short in central midfield. Look, it's as simple as this, really, for United at the moment. What happens if Michael Carrick gets injured? Really, how, how do United get close to competing for the title without Michael Carrick? There's a lot of United fans that still don't rate him, and they still think he's overrated. And actually, it may be the case that he is overrated because uh, because of how bad United's midfield is in general. He's utterly vital to United I don't think he's as good as Xavi you know what I mean that's not that's not what I'm saying but he is the single most important piece of the puzzle for United to be functional or not when they're when they're playing or not he's the player who when he's not on the team sheet you just your heart drops and you think oh it's going to be one of them games yeah and uh, I mean the alternative right at the moment is is Tom Cleverley and Phil Jones and Anderson you could play three Bayern teams before you'd put one of those in the Bayern team and uh, that's how short we are in central midfield so Bayern Real Madrid Barcelona or miles miles ahead uh, City are now ahead in terms of the quality they've got in in midfield Chelsea Chelsea got the same problem of course you know they desperately need central midfielder too yeah but they they for some reason just want to buy Wayne Rooney seems seems like a well weird decision to me if I had unlimited oil billions to spend on footballers I don't think he's the one I'd uh, go for no but yeah as we said last week you know they they are gambling on uh, a happy Wayne Rooney playing at number nine is a 30 goal plus a season Wayne Rooney you know which he could well be yeah, absolutely. So, talking of Chelsea, lols, we, we're playing them on Monday night, on Monday Night Football. So, we'll have Jamie Carragher's analysis of that. And it should be a cracking game. They, they started the season with a bang, uh, but as soon as they went two goals up, the Mourinho effect kicked in uh, to full overdrive, and they didn't score any more goals because to do so would have been somehow gauche, you know. Uh, they're really going to struggle if the league comes down to goal difference this season, I think, Chelsea. But yeah, they look phenomenal for the first 20 minutes of that game and they've got an awful lot of attacking talent but they're vulnerable at the back John Terry and Gary Cahill is not a central back centre back partnership that you would describe as world beating is it? 
No, certainly not. I mean, I think Gary Cahill is a notch below the very best, and John Terry is declining, isn't he? You know, has been for some time, as well as being a daft racist. He's. It'd be interesting to see whether they both play. I mean, I assume they will both play against United, but it's then a, a challenge for for Chelsea in trying to combat any pace that United managed to get in in wide areas. I mean, it's not as if uh, Van Persie is super quick or anything, but in wide areas, United can definitely pace and place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, their, their system is distinctly a four-two-three-one, isn't it? Um, how do you think United will set up against Chelsea? I think United set up in very similar fashion. I mean, whether it's a four-two-three-one for United or sort of four-four-one-one, uh, that's probably more the case. I think uh, in terms of how United lined up against Swansea, and I think it'll be very, very similar. I wouldn't expect too many changes for Moyes at all, unless there are injuries. I'd expect him to go with experience. I'd, I'd think Giggs will start given the injury problems. He, he'll probably go with Valencia on the right simply because of the defensive nous that he's got, uh, and they'll play Danny Welbeck again. He's got to play again, but he's also smart enough to be able to drop back into into sort of a deeper area and support Carrick and cleverly I mean I wouldn't be surprised if it was an unchanged team but it's certainly going to be close to it uh, is it, that's interesting because I was really thinking I wonder if he will not play gigs this time and to not play gigs means to bring about some tactical variance really unless you're going to just play Zaha as an out and out left winger which is a very bold move um, so I can't really see that happening but I, it was really interesting in the Swansea game uh, Ryan Giggs was substituted after 60 minutes after having you know a really dreadful one of them Ryan Giggs games where he just gives the ball away all the time and he's like got your head in your hands going when as soon as the subs board comes up and you know for sure whoever's going to be substituted is definitely not going to be Ryan Giggs because Fergie will give him 90 minutes whatever happens uh, but it didn't happen it's like oh we really do live in brave new world times where uh, Giggs, Giggs can come off after 60 minutes yes I mean of course it was, if it was Fergie picking the team against Chelsea Darren Fletcher would be coming out of semi-retirement to play on the left wing you always get a slight oddball uh, decision. Moyes is much more predictable, isn't he? I mean, he's he's basically a conservative manager. If you if you think in your mind a bolder choice and a conservative choice of a player pick, he'll go with a conservative one every time. Well, I mean, yeah, but except that at two nil up, he took off a midfielder and brought on a striker, sort of. In that that Swansea game, it was a pretty bold attacking substitution, wasn't it? Yeah, it didn't change how United played much, but yeah. I think that if he had some more options, he might choose not to go with Giggs because he's played a, just played so much football, hasn't he? And at some point, he's going to get tired. And it did sort of look a little bit like it had slightly caught up with him in that Swansea game. But he'll probably play and be wonderful now against Chelsea because he's very unpredictable as old Ryan Giggs, isn't he? Yes. Uh, I mean, he's predictable in that he's going to give the ball away about a third of the time, which is pretty much what he did, you know. Uh, but he, he can still come up with uh, a moment of magic, can't he? Or a a decisive moment at least you know and he's reliable and you kind of know what you're going to get from him and he's experienced and and I think Moyes is relying on that right now brand new team and and that's why Giggs has played so much through pre-season and and the early games this season because he wants that experience out on the pitch the Rooney question will certainly rear its I was going to say ugly head but that's a bit harsh on the lad it will definitely rear its head anyway this is this is it he's playing with his current employers against the people that he deeply wishes from the bottom of his anger confused heart were his employers mm, he's sitting on the Swansea bench with a great big regain logo above his head he was not not yeah. funny at all not honest. funny no no how could he possibly play against Chelsea I mean seriously every man and his dog and Jose Mourinho knows that he wants to move to Chelsea how could he play yeah, it seems it seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Uh, he won't, will he? Uh, I wonder if he'll even be on the bench. 
I'd be tempted not to. I mean, you know, in the heat of the dressing room, you know as a player that he wants to play for the other side. Yeah. Yes, it's pretty messed up, isn't it? The whole situation is well confusing. I wonder whether we'll find out something more after the Chelsea game. That was, of course, the speculation earlier in the summer that United would wait until after the Chelsea game to do something. But hey, hey, who knows? Speculation. It's just impossible for him to start. He's clearly, clearly not fit. Uh, even with another week's training, he's not ready. It seems that Moyes just doesn't like Kagawa. Hasn't had any time. Didn't even get off the bench, which is a real, real shame. It looks like we're going to waste that talent and you know, absolutely massive talent there. And neither Fergie nor Moyes seem to have taken to him. No, no, don't say that, Ed. I, I'm not prepared to accept that. I think we are rushing to judgment on that one. I think it's too way, way, way too early to say. He, he had a, a very long, very busy summer with an awful lot of travel involved. And he's by the time it's, you know, October, November, then we'll start to see Shinji be a vital part of United squad. That, that's what I really hope anyway. So here's my prediction. Uh, Kagawa will be a sort of in-and-out player this season. Uh, and I mean that two ways. He'll be in and out of the team and he'll be in and out in terms of his position because he's going to start on the left if he ever does. I, I just cannot see Moyes playing this guy at number 10 in a, in a sort of playmaker, traditional number 10 role that suits Kagawa best. Can't see it. I don't see Moyes using players like that at all. History says he won't. I mean, Pinar, excellent creative attacking player, but always shunted out to the left. Now, of course, you can you can be dangerous from that position. Zidane played most of his career from that position, right? And But that's what he wanted. He wanted the pitch open for him. And Kagawa is just not the same player playing there. And he's certainly not the same player if he's got defensive duties playing there. I've seen him play for Japan a few times when he plays sort of left side of a, effectively a front three. And he's not being asked to cover the left back. In Moyes' system, he definitely will be. I mean, is this how the best way of getting, uh, the, is this the way of getting the best out of Kagawa to make him cover the left back? I don't like this conversation. I want to talk about Danny Welbeck scoring goals again. I know, indeed. Welbeck's got two. He's done for the season, isn't he? I'm, I'm kidding. I think, I think you know what? Here's a prediction. I think Welbeck will get 20 in all competitions this season. Yeah, that, that's why I was. I, I, I thought that as well. Um, I put him in my fantasy team before the before the, the season started, so I'm, I'm really pleased about that. At Pop-Tarts Rule, that's R-O-O-L for those playing along at home, since Evra had four goals last season and Raphael had three, which fullback do you think will come out with the most goals this season? Well, Raphael's out for a month, so I guess it's it, it, given that Evra is going to get about, you know, nearly 10% of the season more, it's going to be Evra. Yeah, absolutely. Nearly had one had one cleared off the line uh, against Swansea from, you know, his devastating attacking headers. He's amongst the top headerers of the ball at the club, it seems. All four foot two of him. So, uh, at Jack K. Holt asked the question on everyone's lips, really, which I, I kind of an interesting point about the way football fans think about transfers. Would you rather us overpay for Fellaini, say, £30 million, or sign no one at all? Essentially no one, I suppose, because maybe that means we go and get a really top player halfway through the season. Of course, logically, that won't happen. So, you know, maybe that's not the best thing. I, I just think it's really dangerous. I think if you start paying a lot of money for players who are just not quite the best, it, it never works out in the way you want it. He's not suddenly going to become world class. We know what he is. He's 26 in November. He, he This is it for Fellaini. He's not going to suddenly get a lot better. OK, he might get better playing with better players, but he's going to be what he is. He, he's not going to be running the midfield for United he's a functional player when he plays in there Everton decided they could get the best out of him by playing him up front and launching it long at him and that's what really worries me yeah absolutely I mean I, I think there's an interesting thing about you know I've seen a lot of 
talk about, you know, we shouldn't overpay for this X, Y, and Z player. Especially especially when people are talking about Fabregas and it's like, I wouldn't pay 40 million for him. It's like, why not? It's not your money. You know, the football transfer, the the horse is bolted, thoroughly bolted when it comes to the ridiculous inflation of transfer fees. So we might as well just join in, frankly. And he would definitely improve United's squad sufficiently to mean that it really doesn't make... Spend 100 million on Fabregas, I'd be happy. Not that he's he's a 100 million pound player whatever the hell that means yeah well quite look I have a couple of things on this one all good transfer strategy is a balanced strategy yeah you work with what you got you fill in the gaps with the best you can possibly get at times you need squad filler in order to fill out your squad which is what essentially City have done this summer and at times you need world class and right now United do not need a lot of players right there's a very big squad with some youngsters coming through they need quality just quality and that means paying massive amounts that's just the way the market is there is not a central midfielder in the reserve team who's suddenly going to become the, the player that we need so we can spend the season not being very good in there or we can spend the season being a little bit better than not very good with Fellaini or we could spend the season being very good in there by spending a huge amount of money on a top I, I don't really see it uh, very complex that's what it is so so if Fabregas was available and it seems like he's very much not available it, it wouldn't really matter what United paid to get that player because it's worth it yeah absolutely and, and by the way you know for anyone who's doubting how good he is just go watch a, a replay of Barcelona's game okay so they were playing Lante who, who completely caved defensively but Fabregas ran it he was the, he was the player around which everything happened yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Fabregas ran the midfield for Barcelona. It shows you how likely it is that he was ever going to come to United. Bizarre. I, one mm. day someone's going to write a book about that. Well, they're not, sadly. Well, so, so Guillaume Balaguer, and he's, he's got his many faults, you know, in, including the size of his ego. But uh, Balaguer said, and he's very concrete about it, that Fabregas basically just used United as a bargaining yeah. chip in order to underscore his position at Barcelona. Yeah, Am I important to you or not? Make it clear because there are options on the table. And so the Fabregas camp have used United naive and desperate with two new men at the helm in Woodward and Moyes and, and use them... You know, in a, such an obvious way. Now, the, the real interesting question, another one that Balaguer puts, and take it all with a pinch of salt, but um, I, I, I kind of find this question interesting as well, is why are United so public about it? Why? Right? Because you, I, and I've seen people put forward nonsense arguments along the lines of, oh, we needed to show that we wanted him. No, you don't need to do that. You can all the backroom talk happens behind closed doors between agents uh, there is no doubt in the Fabregas camp about United's desire to get him right don't need to make it public why did United make it public it's certainly not for Fabregas it wasn't for Barcelona it was for someone else so who do you what I mean who do you think that is is it is it the Arsenal model of claim to the fans that you're in for big name players to make you seem big it's Arsenal model we've been doing it for years the it's not the Arsenal model it's the United model really we just managed to fill in some gaps. No, no I don't know. I, I mean, not like this. Not not like this. I mean, the, you, you compared it to the Ronaldinho transfer, but the Ronaldinho transfer wasn't like this. We messed that one up publicly, but it wasn't, you know, that was just the way the transfer was handled. That wasn't a, an impossible, it doesn't look like, it never looked like that was a completely impossible transfer at the time. You know, United have, have bought big name players over the years, quite a lot of them really. And I don't remember, I don't remember United ever doing this. It's spectacular how incompetent. I mean, even the Fellaini and Baines bid this week. At what point did anyone in the United hierarchy think that would be accepted? 
That's a really weird one, though, because you would you would think of all the things that United could do, negotiating with Everton would be something they were in a reasonably strong position to have some fairly good information about how to make that best work. Yes, you'd think so. Anyway, so, I mean, it's been spectacularly amateur uh, all along, I think, is the, is the conclusion from all of that. There are, what, two weeks left in the transfer window, and uh, big things could still happen. Um, Absolutely. Just, just around about two weeks, uh, um, ten days or so. Uh, of course, you know, stuff happens late all the time, and, and maybe United have some irons in the fire. On the evidence of this season, it doesn't mean United are going to handle it very well, though. No, not so far. It's not looked like that, but we will see. And I'm going to continue to give them the benefit of the doubt for another couple of weeks. As I said earlier, somebody it would be good if somebody wrote a book about that Fabregas transfer bid. And at MRMSO79 asks whether we know of any good United books on the Kindle, as most seem to be paper only. Um, I, I've I've read a, a good few United books on the Kindle. I think uh, Eau Claire's Cantona biography is available on Kindle. Sam Pilger's Best United Eleven, a really good read, um, and that's available if you've got an actual Kindle on the Kindle Lending Library if you're Amazon Prime. Deepest Red, uh, a fantastic anthology of United writing that came out at the beginning of last season really good and I enjoyed Scott's uh, Scott the Reds season preview on Kindle Play Like Fergie's Boys uh, that's a collection of interviews with uh, journalists and internet football writers about United's potential for the season lots of interesting kind of interesting to see a lot of the football journalists write in a in a much more honest way uh, than they sometimes do in the paper or, or let's say a, a more direct way not in a more honest way but like interesting to see football journalists swearing in print don't see that very much but yeah so uh, except in the guardian yes of course um but yeah so i, I kind of rec- recommend that but those are three choices for you okay very good well we have a couple of other things to do before the we close the show this week yeah, including making predictions about the score for the weekend's game well monday night's game <sighs> it's definitely there's definitely going to be a result uh, one way or another either chelsea will win or united will win or it'll be a draw i reckon do you know what? I think United are going to win. I think United are going to win. That's what I think is going to happen. I think that Man United are going to win by two goals to one. Uh, Chelsea will score and then be too concerned with preserving that lead. And United have got better defenders than Chelsea. They've both got weaknesses in the centre of the park. Both got a lot of attacking talent, but United have got the slight edge there, maybe just about. Uh, I'm grinning uh, as I say this because I'm not convinced by any of this. But yeah, I, I think we're going to win. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm going to predict that Rooney will score. I just don't know which it is. <laughs> no, go on. No. You got you got to pick a score, Ed. I don't think Rooney's going to score. I'm not even sure if he'll be in the squad. It'll be an interesting one. That one, I think it'll be one all. Okay. Although I did pick a draw last week, and look what happened there. <laughs> I think a draw is fine. A draw would be a great result for United, really. I think you know it's it's kind of a huge test for Moyes to go like to go to Chelsea up against not only the Mourinho factor but that legion of incredible A4 sign printing fans. An absolute shambles they were against Hull. Just some properly properly shocking craft work goes on in uh, in Chelsea fans' homes. Uh, a lot of word art on display. Yeah, it's it's really really embarrassing. Although I did like the picture with Arsene Wenger with a one poor sod standing behind him with a sign that said "Spend, spend, spend." Yeah, a man who had clearly spent not one penny on his printout. You know, just just press an A4 printout. If you're gonna do spend, 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 at least laminate it. You know, get it professionally put together. Chant of the week from Arsenal fans, which was uh, deliberately misheard by the commentators. Just spend some f-ing money for about fifteen minutes. 
And then Newcastle joined in on that. Not far off from United joining in on that either. I have to say, the kind of... United's away support is one of the most remarkable in the league, obviously. Like, it's, you know, that's you know that's a support which is loyal to a fault. The response to Rooney getting up and warming up was not a booze, but actual, actual pro-Rooney chance, which is, you know, it's pretty remarkable. I don't think there's a lot of other clubs that would do that. But our home support, you know, it's not impossible that in a few years years time we could be uh, seeing some spend 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 printouts in 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 the Stratford end somewhere no oh, it's embarrassing if Fellaini Jones will be seeing wigs and I, I just can't abide that nonsense <laughs> it's outrageous isn't it outrageous scenes I'll be going into the ground with a lighter and setting them all on fire I tell you <laughs> don't do anyway, it anyway I think we may have drawn to a close yeah we have had a very packed show. Even not much has happened in the full world of football this week. But I'm looking forward to the game against Chelsea. Uh, I'm a bit nervous about it because I'm not entirely sure which United is going to turn up for this game. I don't think Chelsea will be anywhere near as porous as Swansea. So um, we might need to rely on some absolutely fantastic goals again. And if we need to rely on that, that's fine because Danny and Van Persie will certainly deliver them. Absolutely. And I can't wait. 